the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Lift up your hands and say, I receive God's word word. with meekness. meekness. I receive receive. the engrafted word word. which is able to save my soul. My My mind is upgraded. My My life is transformed. As the word of God comes into my heart, I'm never the same. I'm changed and transformed by the power of God's word. Amen. All right. Come with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Galatians 6, verse 6 to 10. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Galatians. He said, let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Go to 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that also he will reap. Somebody say, I sow what I reap. Say, I sow what I reap. Okay. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary, verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, somebody say, in due season, we shall what? Reap if we do not lose that or we do not faint, as the King James says it. Now, he says, verse 10, let's read it together. He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, all right, when you are reading the scriptures and you see, therefore, you have to go back and find out what this thing is there for. Paul spoke in the context of is speaking, he's talking about seed sowing, and he says that what you sow, you reap. And then he goes on to establish the father as you therefore have opportunity. So he says that sowing itself, the act of sowing, the act, the principle of sowing and giving is an opportunity. That's what he is in, in effect describing it. So we are looking at a series we are broadly captioning understanding given as an opportunity. Somebody say understanding given as an opportunity. Say understanding given as an opportunity. All right. Last week we began this series and we said that giving is an opportunity and we need to understand that. How we understand giving will influence our attitude and response to it. When people give, what is the motivation? What is the thing that is driving them to give? People give because they are driven by greed. 
Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, right? That is your sole motivation for giving. Is it bad? It's not bad. But if that is your principal motive for giving, you are in the wrong. Because they, they love money and they think that it's just like jackpot. I put in this, I harvest that. So that's it. People also give as a result of guilt. They feel that if they don't give, they will be found guilty or something. A friend was sharing with me of an incident of somebody who had a challenge and then a leader or so in the ministry called and said, ah, why are you going through what you are going through? And the person told him, oh, it's because you have not been paying your tithe. Yeah, that is a false representation of God. God is not like that. God does not deal with us the way we deal with him. The reason why we call him a good God is because his nature is good. The only thing that comes from God is good. Are you with me here? Yeah. That's who God is. God is a good God. He, that's his nature. The Bible said every good and perfect gift cometh from God and from the Father of light with whom is no barrenness or shadow of turning with thee. Does it mean that you shouldn't honor God? No. When you come to understand God's generosity, you are naturally moved to honor him. But you see, there are certain motivations for giving that is wrong. It's not scriptural. And that's why I'm taking time through this series to be able to establish, you, give you a New Testament perspective about the subject of giving so that we do so understanding why we are doing it and getting the benefits of the same. Last week, I taught on giving a problem or a privilege. How many of you were here last week? You see, giving can be a problem for you or it can be a privilege for you. There are people who come to church and when we talk about giving, they get offended. So for them, giving is a problem. Giving is a problem. And when greed has mastered you, greed has dominated your life, greed is ruling your life, giving is a problem for you. When your mind is not renewed and you don't understand the details of the laws of the spirit, giving becomes a problem for you. But not like the churches of Macedonia, 2 Corinthians 8, 3 to 4. He said, for I testify that they gave as much as they could and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. Somebody say for the privilege. The Bible says they entirely they pleaded with us, verse 4, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So the churches of Macedonia saw giving us a privilege. They were so moved. They were so excited that they could be given the opportunity to participate. When we understand giving as a privilege, there are a number of things that happens. Number one, we said we seize the opportunity to do it. Anytime we have it, when we understand giving as a privilege or an opportunity, we seize the opportunity for it every time it comes. And then, when we understand giving as a privilege, we give with the right attitude. Somebody say the right attitude. Say the right attitude. And then, of course, number three, we say when we see giving as a privilege, because we, we give with the right attitude, we also receive the profitable returns of our giving. Let me tell you, giving is highly profitable. Somebody say giving is highly profitable. Giving is highly, is a highly profitable venture. Highly profitable. God is a good God. Job said, who has given anything to the Lord and he has not returned it? Given is highly profitable. But most of the time, people don't receive the benefits of giving and the rewards of giving because 
we don't understand the subject and we do so with a negative attitude. That's why I'm teaching on attitude because our attitude influences everything we do. And when the attitude is bad, what we do ends up becoming bad. So you can give the right seed, but with the wrong attitude, God begins to reject it. And given is that the only giving God rewards is the giving he accepts. Somebody said the only giving God rewards is the giving he accepts. That's why what we give to God must be something that he accepts and values. Okay. Last week, I spoke to you about five attitudes that must characterize our giving. Our giving must be selfless. Our giving must be according to our ability. Our giving must also go beyond our ability. We must give selflessly. We must give sacrificially. We must give willingly and we must give joyfully or cheerfully. All right. So, we say we are understanding giving as an opportunity. I want to continue from where I ended up last year when I did the first part of this series. We were looking at understanding giving as an opportunity. What kind of opportunity does giving present to us? What kind of opportunity? Somebody say, what kind of opportunity? Yeah, because opportunities are different in life. There are opportunities that sometimes you get and it's not an opportunity to earn money. It's an opportunity to gain experience. People don't know the difference. So, and when it's time to gain experience and you go earning money, you will slow your growth track. Instead of going at an accelerated speed, you will end up slowing down your own growth track. There is a time to receive money and there is a time to also learn and gain insight and knowledge. What kind of opportunity does given present to us in my earlier teaching i said that given presents to us the opportunity to manifest god's generous nature in us as new creation in christ i know that a number of you except those who consistently listen to the podcast you may have even forgotten but the first opportunity given presents you that is the first reason why you should be excited about giving is that it gives you an opportunity to manifest god's generous nature in you as new creation in christ Somebody say, I'm a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. There's life and power in your tongue. Say, I'm a new creation. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's something or someone that has never existed before, but has been created anew. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. Now look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Because usually when people think about the new creation, that's what they think about. They think about the fact that they are no longer sinners and all of that. But it's true, you are no longer a sinner. Those who are the children of God do not continue in sin. Why? Because they are a new creation. But this is the part I love so much. For God's very nature is in them. Somebody say, God's nature is in me. Say, God's nature is in me. me. That revelation alone can set you free from sicknesses and disease. In God's nature, sicknesses cannot be inside. In God's nature, poverty is not part of it. In God's nature, failure is not part of it. Somebody say, God's nature is in me. He says, for those who are born again, those who are the children of God, do not continue in sin. They can. They can. You know, you see a believer who's consistently living in sin. That is anti his nature. 
That's why a Christian can never be happy in sin. The Bible talks about pleasures of sin for a season. But the believer cannot have pleasure in sin. For every genuine believer, the more you sin, the more frustrated you become. Am I communicating here? Yeah. The Christian who, per, who persists in sin is unhappy. Because, you see, it's just like taking a monkey and putting it in fresh water or in the sea and asking it to swim. It will struggle until it dies off. Why? Because that's not the environment they're operating. He said, those who are the children of God do not continue in sin. For God's very nature is in them. Somebody say, the nature of God is in me. Say, I have the nature of God in me. Now listen, not only do you have the nature of God not to continue in sin, but you have the nature of everything God has, you have. God is a generous God. So if you are his child, you must be a generous child. Are you with me here? Yeah. If you struggle giving, it must be a major prayer point too. It must become a major prayer point. When seed sowing is a difficulty for you. When giving is a difficulty for, when systematically advancing, releasing resources, and with a good attitude for that matter, it's a difficulty for you. Better pray because something is wrong somewhere. There's a missing link. You are not manifesting and representing. That's why God loves those who give. The Bible said he loves a cheerful giver. Why? Every good parent is most excited when they see the good trait in them manifested in their children. When a child goes out and is insulting, and insulting adults, the mother or father cannot be happy. Particularly if the mother is not like that and the father is not like that. But when the child is uh, very sharp, like the parents, say, ah, obey your way sharp. He say, ah, me am a bad He's my own son. He's my own blood. That's why God loves cheerful givers. He sees his nature in them. He can trust them. He looks at them and says, that's my boy. When you let go of that precious, that's my, that's my son. That's my son. That's my daughter. That is what we do when we give. We manifest God's nature in us. We manifest God's nature in us. Because you see, the old nature, Adamic nature is very selfish and greedy. God gave Adam everything and told him, this one, don't touch it. Adam still went to touch it. That's greed. That's greed. What led Adam into that was greed. He, he felt that, no, you cannot limit me. I must have everything. Meet anybody who is greedy. Most of the time, it's not that they don't have. They want more than they have already. That's greed. As a new creation in Christ, we do not only possess God's righteous nature, we also possess his generous nature. Somebody say, I possess God's generous nature. I, possess God's generous nature. I am naturally generous. No, say it. I'm naturally generous. Yeah, because the new creation is supposed to be naturally generous. Yeah. The generosity of the new creation is born out of the fact that he himself was born out of God's generosity. You see, God's generosity gave birth to us. And just as we were born in generosity, we live a life of generosity. Like for instance, you know you were born by the word of God. That's why you can't live your life outside the word of God. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Because you see, how you were born, that's how you ought to live. You were born, you are a product of the word. You function by the word and you have victory by the word. That's why outside the word, you can't live a victorious Christian life. 
Number two, we said, giving presents as the opportunity to prove our sincere love for God and man. Somebody say, I love God because he first loved me. Now, how many of us like to sing about the love of God? We love to sing about the love of God. And it's great to sing about the love of God. But you see, many of us claim to love God. But when it comes to practically proving that is a difficulty. Why do you give? You give as an expression of your love. In 2 Corinthians, Paul was speaking to the same Macedonian church. Chapter 8, he said, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So he's telling them, as you excel in everything, excel in this grace also. Go to verse 9. He said, I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others. And to prove, somebody say prove. Say prove. Say prove the sincerity of your love. Turn to your neighbor and say, sincere love can always be proven. I didn't know he didn't love me. No, you were blinded. That's why you didn't know it. When someone genuinely loves you, it doesn't take long for you to know. Genuine love can always be seen. It can always be proven for God so loved. So he gave. That was an expression of his love. When we so love God, we so give. We so give. I mean, why would people be debating about 10% when people are giving 90%? Of what God gives them back to God. People are debating 10%. And they are wondering whether Titan is Old Testament or not. I mean, I have never been able to think about why people waste their time and energy to do that. I have the nature of God in me. And that nature is a generous nature. So I'm not thinking, whatever he wants me to give, I give it. I'm not thinking about percentage and all of that. When love is in place, people don't think of I'm giving you this and I'm... No, no, no. You go ahead and give and give and give and give and give. That's love. Love does not give expecting to receive something. Love gives even if it doesn't receive anything. That's love. Genuine love. Genuine love. Jesus was talking about the difference between the love of unbelievers and the love of Christians. He said, if you love those who love you, what more do you than those who are not born again? If you love those who love you. In other words, if you, you give something so you can get back, then what, what is the difference? But when you give because you are giving as an expression of your love for God, nothing limits you. I see the limitation taken of you. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 16 to 17, but this we know. Because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, let me tell you this. The message of grace sometimes confuses people. But the summation of the message of grace and the demands of the grace of God can be found in this scripture. That's, that's the ultimate. Grace brought you what you could not have. And grace empowers you to do what you could not do. That's grace. So when we say grace to you, I receive in that grace, I'm empowered for life and godliness. It's a conscientious greeting. We understand that grace is not just allowing you to freely flow. Grace is an empowerment to do that which is naturally impossible to do. That's it. By this we know that he laid down his life for us. Not so we can hold on to ours. The Christian is not the one who is holding on tight to his life. He's the one who has received the life Christ laid down for him. 
and is being motivated by the example of Christ to lay his life down for others. That's a true Christian. A Christian is the one who has appreciated the fact that God laid down his life for him and motivated by that fact, he's willing to lay down his life for others. Not the one who is holding tight to his life. No wonder Jesus said, he that will save his life will lose it. And he that will lose his life will find it for my sake. The laws of the spirit, the laws of faith, the laws of the Christian life is different totally. That's why you don't confuse the two. That's why you don't learn about Christ. And Christian living from social media, from commentators who have not taken time to study the Bible. That's why you don't go for knowledge and insight from people who are looking for something to criticize and not something to energize them to do what is right. What people want to engage you, you want to ask because time is very precious. And energy must be preserved at all costs. You want to ask, what is the motive for this line of thinking? This line of teaching? This trend of thought? What is the motive? What is the motive? What is the main motive? What's the motive? If the motive is that people will be free and not do what God wants them to do, then it's really of no use. Let's focus on today. Amen? Okay. I just did all of that because some of you, I still have to come and preach the podcast that we have invested in back to you. All is there, but I have to preach it back to you. Today, I'm preaching on where is my honor. Somebody say, where is my honor? Where is my honor? Where is my honor? This is a question God asked in the last book of the Bible. And it's interesting that in the first book of the Bible, God asked, where is his honor? The first book in the Old Testament. God asks, where is my honor? In an indirect way. And then in the last book of the Old Testament, God is asking, where is my honor? It must be a question that matters a great deal to us. And this has to do with our attitude and our response towards God. This morning, I'm looking at giving us an opportunity to demonstrate our honor and reverence for God. When we give... Is an opportunity. Giving is an opportunity. What kind of opportunity does giving present us? It presents us the opportunity to manifest God's nature in us. It presents us the opportunity to demonstrate sincere love for God and man. And number three, giving presents us the opportunity to demonstrate our honor and reverence for God. Somebody say, I honor God with my life. I honor God with my substance. Yeah. Proverbs 3 to 10. He said, Honor the Lord with your. Honor the Lord with your. Honor the Lord with your. And with the first fruit of all your increase. Honor the Lord with your substance. So, when we say we are giving, (laughs) we are not doing charity. You see, there's a difference between what people call charity out there and then giving. As for charity, you can just say, Put your hands in your inner coins that is left over. You just give it to somebody. Because after all, that person needs it. He's already begging you for it. But in God's case, it's different. It's the opposite. God will not beg you for anything. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He's founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. He said, the silver on a thousand hills are mine. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. If I were hungry, I will not ask you. So, if you are bringing something to God, no wonder the churches of Macedonia saw it as a privilege. It's a privilege to have the opportunity to come to God and say, I'm giving to him. Giving to someone who does not need it. You can't give to Akufuado and say, my seed has made him who he is. 
<laughs> it doesn't work like that. Honor the Lord. Somebody say, honor the Lord. Honor. With your substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase, so shall thy bonds be filled. With plenty and thy presses shall best out with new wine. Receive new wine. Amen. New wine represents new opportunities, new ideas, new favors. I declare that new ideas are opening for you. Amen. New doors of favor are opening for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, may the Lord open unto you his good treasure and grant you supernatural ideas for creating supernatural wealth. Shout, I believe it. I receive it. I manifest it. Take your seat. Malachi 1.6, he said, a son honors his father. God is speaking and is coming from the least to the greatest. He said, a son honors his father and a master his servant. If I be your father. Now listen, 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 listen very closely. He said, a son honors his father in the natural. If you meet a child that is insulting and abusing the father, it's an anathema. If you meet uh, an employee who is just giving it to his boss, looking at his face and telling him his mind, peace of mind and insulting him, it's an abnormality. Praise God. That's what scripture is saying here. He said, in the natural, a son honors his father and a servant his master. He said, if I be a father. Now listen, God is not in any of those classes. God is not in the class of a master. God is not in the class of a father. He's above all of that. Why? Because the master and the father, all of them were created by God. I'm not complicating here. Now he says, if for these categories of people deserve honor, how much more when it comes to dealing with me? How much more when it comes to dealing with me? Then he says, where is my honor? Somebody say, where is my honor? Now, this morning, you are going to be giving an offering. When you pick up the offering, God will be asking you, where is my honor in this offering? In this five Ghana, where is my honor in it? In this uh, 10 cities, looking at what I've done for you and what I keep on doing for you, where is my honor in this? Every time you pick a seed that you are giving, you have to answer the honor question. Am I honoring God indeed? Let's honor the Lord with our substance. You just pick it and you think you are giving an offering. Where is my honor? That's what he asked him. He said, where is my honor? And if I be a father, master, where is my fear? The word fear has to do with reverence. Where is my fear? Say the Lord of hosts, all ye priests that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised your name? Now, he spoke to the priest. And the reason why he spoke to the priest was because the priests were supposed to guide them and teach them what to do and what to present before God. So when you go to Malachi chapter 2, give me Malachi chapter 2 verse 7. He tells us there who the priest is. That's why God addressed it to the priest. In every atmosphere, in every place, followers will usually go the way of their leader. He said, for the priest's lips, keep it, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should what? Seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the law. That's why. That's why God. Did. So he did not speak to the priest because he had an issue with the priest. But the priest who knew what God's standards were and what God expected of the people, they had so lowered God's standard that the people were just doing anything. They were just presenting anything and they felt it was okay. Ask your neighbor, where is my honor? Where is my honor? When we are giving, we are not doing charity here. We don't do charity with God. We do charity to the poor. He that giveth to the poor is different from he that giveth to God. 
When you are giving to God, it has to be with an attitude of honor, respect, and dignity. Where is my honor? Now let's go through it from the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I'm a master, where is my honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. You know what contempt is? If I had time, I would have given the microphone to lawyer J.B. or one of the lawyers here, and they will tell you what contempt is. To show contempt is to rise against the authority of a ruler or a judge. The judge says, sit down. He says, no, I must speak my mind. You will speak your mind, but when you finish, you'll be in Insawam. <laughs> and there are people whose finances are in Insawam because it's contempt. When it comes to giving, it's contempt. They give contemptible stuff to God. He said, you've shown contempt to my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? Now, it means that these guys were not showing it with their mouths. They were showing it with their attitude. Because they didn't even know. When God said, you are showing me contempt, they said, ah, but wh- where, where did we even show you contempt? Where, where, where? Show us, where did we show you contempt? He said, check. So he began to show them verse 7. He said, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. How do we show God contempt? How do we show dishonor to God? How do we despise the name of God? When we give that which is contemptible to his offering. He said, then you ask, how have we defiled sacrifice? This book is a very short book, but a very powerful book. Because it talks about spiritual restoration, it talks about moral restoration, and it talks about stewardship, the restoration of our stewardship. Malachi is just a four-chapter book, but it's a loaded book. After that book, there was absolute silence. Theologians believe that the absolute silence between the old, the interstitial period, that is, the period between the testaments, 400, God didn't say anything again. He spoke, and when he finished, he kept quiet. Until John the Baptist came in. So where is my honor? Where is the respect? You've shown contempt. By the things you give. Go ahead. Go to verse 8. When you give animals, blind animals as sacrifices, what you are giving is what you are demonstrating, using to demonstrate your honor for God. You see, naturally, if Akufado, now Akufado, uh, our president, decides that there's a quasider at Mishia Palace, and he goes there as Nana Akufuado, the president of Ghana. And he says, I'm coming to uh, honor. You know what they do on Akwesi there? The bankers and the corporate guys, they all go to Mensha. And of course, they do what is honorable for uh, Otufo. Now, imagine that corporate organizations are coming, they are doing their thing. And then Akufuado, the president of Ghana, comes there. And then he's coming to celebrate Akwesi there with Otufo. And he comes with Akukwa and Niyabo. That he's coming to honor Otunfo. No, 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 listen. It, it may be funny, but that's what it is. I'm just speaking your language so you can understand it well. That's what God was talking about. Now, first of all, you want to look at who is Akufuado. He's the president of Ghana. You see, even the honor, eh, it starts with who you are. That's why when people are honorable, usually they manifest honorable behavior. Except some parliamentarians in Ghana. Honorable. Because, you see, what you are giving... There are some of you, when you are giving a gift to somebody, it shouldn't go below a certain threshold. It shouldn't go be- because when you do it, it is not just 
a gift. It's also about your honor. Somebody says it's about your honor. And I'm, I'm not saying that go kill yourself when you can't have it. But what God has brought to you is not honorable when you say I'm giving 50 CDs as an offering. It's not. 20 CDs is not. But somebody, one Ghana is highly honorable. And God knows all of such people. He knows all of such people. That's why, you see, this Christosumdia Ewakumum, hey, what the catch all? It will show in your attitude. Genuine Christianity, the one that is really genuine in your heart. I'm telling you, it will show in your attitude. I mean, people do all kinds of things in the name of God, and then they say, I have a good heart towards God. No, you, I know you have an evil, crooked, wicked heart. Iniquitous heart towards God. That's the kind of heart you have towards God. When your heart towards God is good, it's different. That's what he said. He said, you give the blind a sacrifice. Isn't that wrong? So, there are offerings you give and there are wrong offerings. Wrong! God marks your offering. He said, wrong! So, when he says wrong, how can you expect to receive anything? That's why I'm telling you that sometimes when we give and we don't receive, we don't understand, and I've been given, I've been given, I've not received anything. You are not the only person who has been given and given. <laughs> we all give and we receive. How come you are not receiving? It's your attitude. Check it. Check it. Check it. Isn't that wrong? Isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor. <laughs> and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's army. Praise God. <laughs> try it. Turn to your neighbor and say, try it. I think that in itself can be another title for this message. Try it. Try it. <laughs> Try it. Try it. God got so angry and he spoke. I mean, look at this. This is the last book. It's like he's giving out his heart. Verse 10. He said, how I wish one would shut the temples so that this, look at this. How I wish one would shut the temple so that this worthless sacrifice could not be offered. Can you imagine? <laughs> he said, I'm not pleased with you. And please take note of that word, I'm not pleased with you. Because this is not the beginning. I told you that God demonstrated his honor, his attitude towards honor and dishonor. Not in Malachi. It started with Genesis. You remember, when Cain and Abel brought an offering, he was pleased with Cain and he was pleased with his offering. Here he says, what you are offering, I'm not pleased with you and I'm not pleased with your offering. Says the Lord, I will not accept your offering. So can I tell you humbly, that is not any offering God accepts. It's not any offering. It's not any offering. Oh, Papa, is it not Old Testament? Listen, if you don't understand the Old Testament, you can't live in the New Testament. Last Wednesday, I was showing you when the Bible was telling us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, most of them, they all pass under the cloud. But with most of them, God was, he said, these things are written for examples and learning for us. That's what we are told. If you don't know, I have never met a good expositor, a good teacher of the Bible who is not sound in his understanding of the Old Testament. You cannot. You cannot. People who are usually in grave error of the Bible, usually they want to teach one aspect of the Bible to the neglect of the other. The Bible is one book and it has one message and that message is Christ. Christ is preached from Genesis 1 all the way to uh, Revelations. That's Christ. The central theme of scripture is Christ. Jesus said that of all the things which are written in the Psalms and in the prophets and in the law concerning me. So the Psalms, the prophets, 
And the law concerns Christ. The Gospels also has to do with the life of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell us practically how Christ lived on earth. And then we have the letters. The letters explaining to us how life in Christ is lived. Everything in the scriptures has to point to Christ. Am I communicating here? God doesn't accept anything. Now look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 with me. You see, I want you to mature in your work with God. That's my heart cry. I want to see people mature in their work with God. It's, it's so exciting to work and live with mature people. He says, my God. Now, start from verse 18. Verse 18, the New Living Translation. At the moment, I have all and more. I'm generously supplied with a gift to send me with Epiphroditus. They are a sweet smelling. They are a sweet smelling. They are a sweet smelling. That is what? And... To God. Okay, so obviously you should know by now that I'm not an Old Testament man who is telling you something. He said, it's acceptable, pleasing to God. And here he said, in Malachi, it's the same, virtually the same thing that God is saying out there. Let's go back there. Let's go back to Malachi. Hmm. Give me Malachi chapter 1 verse 10. How I wish the temple doors were shut. And that these offerings will not be offered. I will not accept your offering. But my name. Now please take note. But my name is honored. Verse 11. My name. Somebody say my name. My name is honored by the people of other nations from morning to night. All around the world. They offer sweet incense and pure offerings. In honor of my name. (laughs) Alright. So this thing is about his name. And we'll get this one. For my name is great. Among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's army. Somebody say his name is great. Verse 12, he says, but you dishonor, you dishonor, you dishonor with your, by bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's all right to defile the lost table. (laughs) Verse 13, he says, but you say it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, says the Lord? It's a question. Verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine. You know when you cheat somebody? Do you know, understand what it means to cheat somebody? Yeah. To give the person less than he deserves. Is that not cheating? Yeah. When you cheat someone, you give the person less than they deserve. God deserves much more than you give to him. He said, Curse is the one who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. What we give is an expression of our honor to God. In the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verse 1 to 5, we saw that honor being displayed. The Bible said, And then he conceived and brought forth. Then she bore again Abel. Now, that was a keeper of the sheep by the tiller of the ground. In the process of time, somebody said the process of time. It came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4. And look at this. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Do you see that it's the same language? 
This is Genesis. Where we read is Malachi. Okay. Now, verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Come with me to Noah. <laughs> Noah. 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 Genesis 8, verse 20 to 21. Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took one of each kind. Please look at this. He took one of each kind of ritually clean animal. Take note. The word clean is important. Clean animal and bed and burn them whole as a sacrifice on the altar. Look at verse. The odor. Please take note. You see, the word that we have translated or interpreted as a sweet smelling sacrifice in the book of Philippians, that is where it's coming from. The sacrifice is talking about that. He said, the order of that sacrifice please the Lord. It's out of that place we are getting that interpretation from. And he said, never again I will put the earth under a curse because of what people do. I know that from the time they are young, their thoughts are evil. Never again will I destroy all these as I have done this time. Then he says in verse 22, he said, but as long as he yet remaineth, see time. There will be a time for planting, a time of harvest, and there will always be cold summer and winter. Now, I just want you to I walk you briefly through this honor thing so you understand that it runs through scripture across. Look at under the law. So Genesis technically, I've told you before, Genesis, when we talk about Genesis, technically Genesis is not Old Testament. Genesis introduces us to God and everything about God creation man. Everything is introduced in Genesis. Everything in life is introduced in Genesis. God is introduced in Genesis. Man is introduced in Genesis. Sin is introduced in Genesis. Redemption is introduced in Genesis. Everything is introduced in Genesis. Marriage and all of that is introduced in Genesis. Genesis is really a book of history. And when you come to the New Testament, it's the same thing. Genesis is the book of history in the Old Testament. The major book of history which tells us and then in the book of Acts, we also have the history, how the church started and everything. We look at a history of Christ. We also see it in the Gospels. Now let's move on to Leviticus. This is why God got angry with them at Malachi. And this was what the priest was not enforcing. Now, before we read here, stay awake. Turn to your name and say, stay awake. Stay awake. I'm teaching you something that when you understand will make a difference in your finances. And it will make a difference in your worship towards God. You worship God in a very meaningful way. You see, there is a certain joy and satisfaction that comes from knowing that what you have done is what is expected. Are you getting what I'm saying? That joy and fulfillment alone is, is different. So, when we talk about really giving, there are three main dividends of giving. There are the external ones and there are internal ones. And then there are eternal ones. Eternal benefits, internal benefits of giving. Joy, peace, tranquility. That's another one. Then, the external ones. He said, who richly give us all things that we may enjoy. That they will be faithful. A faithful man will abound with blessing. He that make his will shall not be innocent. Then there are eternal ones that they may lay for themselves. Treasure against the time to come. Look at this with me. This was the reason why in Malachi, God was mad with the priests. Because he stated it out clearly in the law. Come with me to Malachi chapter 2 verse 7. We have read it, but it's worth repeating it again. Malachi 2 7. Before we come here. Let's read it together. One go. For the priest lives. 
And they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the law. Okay. Everybody can forget it, but the priest must not forget because he's supposed to be reminding the people of what God wants them to do. Now, let's go to Leviticus 22, verse 17. God clearly articulated what he expected of them. And the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons. Let's read it together. Give Aaron and his sons and all these instructions. Now, hold on. Why Aaron and his sons? Because they were the priests. Okay? Aaron and the sons, all of this, and they should give Israel all these instructions, which apply, now go ahead, which apply both to the native Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. If you present as a burnt offering to the Lord, whether it is fulfill a vow or is a voluntary offering, <laughs> you will be only if you offering a male animal with no defects. Do you see that? No defects. So, what you are bringing, you are thinking about the reward of your giving, but the first thing I'm telling you today, when you are giving, is not to think about the reward of giving. Think about its acceptance. Because if it is accepted, then the reward will follow. You don't pray for the reward. If you have gone to work Monday through Friday, work for 25 days in a month, your salary is guaranteed. You don't pray for that. Are you with me here? In the same way, when we give and the giving is accepted, we don't have to pray. Paul said that uh, a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to God. Then he says, what follows next is that God will supply all your needs because it's been accepted. He said it will be accepted. It may be a bull or a ram or a male goat. Verse 20. Let's go. One, do not present because the Lord will not accept it on your behalf. 21. If you present a peace offering to the Lord, whether it is to fulfill a vow or is a voluntary offering, you must offer a perfect animal. It may have no any kind. Go ahead. He said, you must not offer that is crippled or injured. What? Or skin sore or scars. Such animals must never be offered on the altar as special gift to the Lord. Oh, is that not what they were offering in Malachi? That's why God got angry. That's what they were offering. Go to verse 23. I think, that's, I think it's fine. That's it. So you see... <laughs> The Old Testament, that is why when you understand grace well in the New Testament, giving is more exciting. There are a lot of offerings they used to give in the Old Testament. All of those offerings were catered for in Christ. Jesus took care of all of that offering. They used to offer, if you went wrong, you would be troubled. Peace offering. The Bible said he is our peace. Who has broken down the middle wall of partition? Sin offering. He was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. <laughs> now, those who were giving tithes, they were giving sin offering, they were giving peace offering, they were giving all kinds in addition to tithe. And you, you are not giving peace offering. You are not giving sin offering. And you are debating and arguing. Should it be 10% or 30%? Make it 0%. 
<laughs> Make it zero percent. Just to let God know that you don't appreciate and don't have value for what he has done. There are two main reasons why God demanded this strict adherence. Two main reasons. One, two reasons why God placed a lot of emphasis on the quality of sacrifice or offerings under the the Old Testament. One is that the animal sacrifices they offered under the Old foreshadowed the perfect sacrifice of Christ for the salvation of humanity. All the offerings they gave, it was to be a foreshadow, foreshadow of what Christ was coming to do. God was teaching them and preparing them for what was to come. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 14. I, I, just, I, I just feel excited about this teaching. He said, But Christ became an high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Verse 12, he said, Neither, please follow this reading closely, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own, but by his own, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained what? Okay, go to verse 13. For if the blood, let's go, the blood of booze sprinkling upon the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself with defect, with defect, with weakness, with blindness, offered himself without what? Spot unto God. That's what he was teaching them. He wanted them to know, listen, a time is coming. What I'm telling you to do now, I'm just preparing the stake for what I am God I'm about to do. Without spot. Now, come to First Peter 1, 18 and 19. He said, for as much as you know, somebody say, I know. Say, I know. He said, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed. Maybe some of you, you don't know. But if you don't know, I want you to know. That you've been bought. In fact, Paul was speaking. He said, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit. He said, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as what? Silver and gold. From your own vain conversation received from traditions of your fathers. Verse 19. But, somebody say but. With the precious blood of Christ as of without and without sports. God said, when you are bringing me an offering, make sure that the offering is without blemish and without spot. Because it's a pointer. Somebody say it's a pointer. It's a pointer. It's a pointer. pointer. And in our days, it's not a pointer. It has become a reality. God gave that which was precious to redeem us. So when we are giving to him, we must give that which is precious to say we thank you. Am I communicating here? He gave that which was precious and priceless to redeem us. When we are giving to him, it must be with the spirit of gratitude. And in that spirit, we give that which is precious to honor God. Four ways to honor God with our giving. Number one, if you are going to honor God with our giving, we must recognize and acknowledge his high and exalted position in our lives. Somebody say recognize and acknowledge. Yeah, we must recognize and acknowledge his high and exalted position in our lives. There are a number of references there. These Isaiah references, I would want you to go and read it. But he, he just establishes the fact that God is in a class of his own. God is, is in a class of what? Of his own. God is in a class. When he was talking to Malachi, he said, for I am a great God. How many of you remember that? 
again and again, for I'm a great God. My name is exalted. I'm a great God. I'm a great God. Now, you have to always understand that when you are given to God, you are given to a great person. That must be the foundation of your thinking. I am given to a great king. I'm given to a great God. When the queen of Sheba came to give to Solomon, she came with precious things. Why? Because she was given to a great king. And God is not uh, Solomon. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's the beginning and the end. We sing songs that we don't mean. We sing songs. You are God all by yourself. Really? For who you are, I bless your name. <laughs> Think about the song very well. Because when you understand it, the way you respond to him will be different. Recognize who he is. He said, I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is none. Isaiah, <laughs> besides me, there is none. Besides me. You can check the left, the right, the front. Everywhere, there is none like unto me. Understand that. I don't have a colleague. I don't have a comparison. That's why in the book of Malachi, he said, give it to your governess. Would they accept it? Give it to your governess. I'm not like your governess, but just try giving it to your governess, your inferior governess. Check it out with them whether they will accept. And if they cannot accept, how dare you think that I deserve that? What do you think? Number two, we must prioritize what we give to him. We must prioritize what we give to him. Make it a priority. You don't give. He said, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase. First fruit. The word is first. Somebody say first. first. Say first. first. Yeah, first. First. We give to God first, not last. When the month ends and you are bringing your tithe, what time do you bring it? After you have spent all, then you have remembered. Hey, I think it's left with this now. Hey, then I don't think I'll be able to Listen, okay, I will top it up next month. You are not serious. You don't understand honor. God is first. Exodus 22, verse 29 said, you shall not delay. Somebody say, you shall not delay. Exodus 22, you shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons. You shall not delay. God is first. God is first. You see, if you were raised in a home of honor, no matter how a child is hungry, I mean, these days, Children are so pampered that they have lost the training, the honor code. When they finish a meal, the father is served first before anybody else touches the food. When you go for dinner, and it's a proper dinner, and people understand protocol and honor, they don't start serving the food from the back. They start serving from the high table. So the high table goes first and everybody follows. Am I communicating here? Yeah. When we talk about honor, you see, I... <laughs> That, that's where it starts from. You don't put this one, you pay this your loan, you pay this your debt, and when you finish, you are bringing what you call tight. God says, <laughs> you are just wasting your time because you don't understand how these things work. You have given, but you gave it to the church, not to me. Because when it is coming to do you know that when we give, the money does not evaporate to God? No, 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 no. The money you bring, eh, they pack it all. The, all the offerings you give this morning, maybe you don't know, they will pack it and go and put it in the bank. What goes to God is the attitude with which we give it. That's what goes to God and that's what God looks at and rewards. What goes to God is the attitude, the attitude, the spirit, the motive. God looks at that and rewards you. That's what goes to God. In the Old Testament, they used to burn the offering. What went to God was the fragrance. 
the fragrance, the fragrance, the fragrance. We sing the fragrance of my worship, the fragrance of my worship. That's what goes to God. The difference between those who are giving and getting returns and those who are not. These are the things I'm showing you today. What goes to God is not your money. It's your attitude. The condition of your heart, what you are thinking is what goes to God. And when God looks at that and he marks it excellent, your reward will be excellent. We give to God first. Somebody say we give to God first. Number three, we must give him our substance, not our surplus. Give him what? Give God your substance, not your surplus. Give that which is precious and valuable. Don't just drop anything. Give him that which is precious. Honor the Lord with your substance, not your surplus. All the other guys who were given in the book of Luke chapter 2 verse 1 to they were given out of their surplus. What they didn't have much for. That's what they gave. But there was a widow. She came with that which was valuable and precious. Substance. It was substantial to her. Because when God looked at what she had left, she knew that this woman really means where to honor him. And then of course, number four, we must give him what is precious and costly. Somebody say precious and costly. You see, you can't call a gift an honor gift unless it is a costly gift. Somebody says it's a costly gift. It has to cost you something. It has to cost you something. Most of the time, people pretend to honor God and men and they do so conveniently. They do so what? Yeah, they do so conveniently. <laughs> they do so conveniently. You can never honor conveniently. Honor will cost you something. Honor will cost you. The Bible says in Psalm 126, He says, He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Precious seed, precious seed. Second Samuel 24, 25. But the king replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it. He said, For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord. My God, that have cost me nothing. So David paid 50 pieces of silver for that and built an altar there and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer from heaven. Praise God. When he added that offering, the cost of that offering to God provoked answers for him. Answers are coming your way. I said, answers are coming your way. Answers are coming your way. All through the life of Jesus, only one woman came to honor her. And that woman was not rich. But she prepared that which was costly and brought it. Because she knew that this one is not an ordinary person. She knew. John chapter 12 verse 1. He says, Then Mary took a pound of a very costly spikenite. Verse 3. Took a pound of a very costly oil of spikenite. Anointed the feet of Jesus. You see, that's why Jesus said, anywhere the gospel is preached, this woman. <laughs> now, you know, Jesus was going, he was ending his ministry. The last blessing he pronounced was upon this woman. He said, anywhere the gospel is preached, what she has done will be mentioned. Because, you see, all his life, nobody honored him like that. Nobody. One, the oil was precious, very costly. In fact, it's estimated that it's a one year's wage, all put together. Bought the oil. And then he said, you are too precious. I'm not even putting it. You know, Orientas, 
do not anoint people's feet. We wash people's feet with water. That's why Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He took a towel to wash their feet. But to anoint, that was another crazy level of honor. Put precious oil on the feet, not on the head. When you have precious perfume, where do you put it? Do you know precious perfume? I like perfumes. I like perfumes. Now, very precious and super scented perfumes, usually they are not in large volumes. If you meet uh, perfume that is 100 mil, it's usually not nice. 50 mil is usually not nice. Very precious perfumes, usually 25 mil, 30 mil. And for some of such, sometimes you can pay 5,000 Ghana City. Five thousand Ghana City. Five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand, and it's just a small bottle. And there's some names I can call for you. Small. Now imagine if you bought one of such perfumes. I don't think, and those perfumes eh, usually we don't spray it. In fact, let, let me tell you something. Yeah. They don't spray those because I mean, if it's twenty-five mil and you spray, <laughs> the way you spray it will go quickly. So usually, you just put your hand at the tip like this. You put a little here, a little there. That's all. And when you are coming, people will know you are coming. <laughs> I'm not communicating here. Now, this is what I'm saying. When the woman brought this precious thing, she didn't put it here and here for Jesus. She poured it. She didn't use the tip. She poured it at his feet. And the worst of it all, the hair of a woman is a crown. The glory of a woman is her hair. And she poured it. She used the hair to wipe the feet. Can you imagine? Dirty feet, mixed with precious oil, and then being wiped with quality hair. Not Brazilian hair, not Peruvian hair. Super hair! That's honor. That's what? That's honor. That's honor. I pray that God will give us understanding. I pray that we will grow and mature in our work with God. I pray that we'll come to a place where we know that God is not after our money. It's after our attitude. It's not after your money. It's your attitude is after. And if he can get you to come on this stream, come on this stream. Oh, the Bible says, have the same attitude that Jesus had. <laughs> Give me that scripture. Let me close. Oh, I was really hoping that I will make it like I did last week. Have the same attitude. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. New Living or New International Version. Quickly. New Living Translation or New International Version. You must have. Somebody say you must have. Say I must have. The same attitude that Jesus had. I used to think about this scripture. <laughs> And think about it, think about it. That's why I saw it. Everything Jesus became on earth, it was a product of his attitude. Somebody say attitude. When you go down to verse 9, he said, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and give therefore God elevated. I told you that earlier on. When you see therefore, you want to go for first and read what was there before. Therefore, therefore have the same attitude. And when that attitude is good, God elevated. As you adopt a positive attitude in giving, may God elevate your finances. 
May your finances see increase. May you experience supernatural growth in your finances. May the Lord honor you in return. May the Lord increase you on every front. May you experience supernatural supplies. May divine ideas for supernatural flow of wealth be yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, may opportunities men cannot give you be given to you by God. Am I blessing somebody at all? I declare that that which nobody in your family at your age has ever attained, may the grace of God come upon you and cause you to attain it before that age. In the mighty name of Jesus, may the Lord honor you. May the Lord elevate you. May the Lord empower you with so much wealth that in your lifetime, that which is impossible with many will become a cheap possibility for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. 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 You will never know lack. You will not know lack. You will not know lack. Say, I will not know lack. I walk in abundance. I walk in prosperity. I walk in favor. I walk in great wealth. In the name of Jesus. Shout an amen. amen. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no,